Hello and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Leprosy, plague, cholera, tuberculosis, flu, coronavirus. We're not strangers to pandemics. How does Jesus enter into these times? But Jay Thomas, pastor at Seven Mile Road Church in Philadelphia, brings us this sermon entitled Sickness, Cure, and Cost. Jesus meets our deepest need, which covers Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. For more information and to watch or hear other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. I can't wait for you to hear this morning from a dear friend of ours, Jay Thomas. Jay uh, has been become a, a dear friend of mine and is a dear friend of Perimeter. And Ajay is coming to us uh, from Philadelphia this morning. Let me find which notes I want. Hey, Ajay. Good morning, brother. Good morning, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good yes. to be with you and connect with Perimeter in this way. Absolutely. It's good to see you. I wish it were in person, but um, we're grateful to have you in this format and modern technology uh, as best we can. Uh, let me ask you a few questions and then we're going to have you, uh, we're going to go to your pre recorded sermon. Uh, that you did for us. But um, uh, real quick, Jay is in Philadelphia. He's at Seven Mile Road Church. Um, he and his wife, Shainu, were, they moved there in 08. They started the church in 09. So they're, they just celebrated back in September their 10-year anniversary as a church. Uh, two children, Hannah and Micah. And uh, as you guys have been up in Philly, Tell me about how, how this season has been for you with the, with the pandemic and even for your family. We were talking previously and pretty significant stuff going on uh, with the pandemic, with, with your relatives. I'd love for you to share about that with us. Yeah, just personally for us, we had some uh, close family members who had come down with the virus, uh, medical professionals and such. And so the beginning of this whole thing for us uh, was a season in which we were working through fear and fighting anxiety. And, and at least for me personally, trying to pastor and preach in the midst of all that in some times where, you know, you're really concerned whether some loved ones will make it through this whole thing. Uh, and yet God has just sustained all of us. I, I mean, all of our family members have recovered from this whole thing. And so this wasn't just something we were watching on the news. It had come close to home for our family. Mm. But again, God graciously sustained everybody. Mm. Wow, man, that's, that is close to home. Um, for you personally, how, you know, trying to pastor your church through this, uh, where presumably others are having that same experience. And, uh, you know, I think you even mentioned you, you guys have, you yourself have officiated some funerals during this time and, and uh, at least maybe some of your pastors. But tell me about what it's been like pastoring for you during this. Yeah, we're not a very large church, and yet uh, everybody in our church knows someone who has either directly contracted COVID or died from COVID. In fact, in this just 10 weeks or so, we've had five different folks who have had some loved one, parent or sibling, pass away, some COVID, some not. And so just that reality of 10-person funerals or grieving with someone over Zoom or in phone per conversation rather than in person, all of that's just been incredibly challenging. All that's been incredibly trying. I mean, we had a sister in our church family whose father was fairly healthy and contracted COVID and within a week's time had escalated to the point of needing to go into the hospital and within two days time had passed away. She had not gotten to 
see him while he was in the hospital, had not gotten to see him even afterwards. And so just a, a really challenging time for our church family, where again, this isn't theoretical, but has hit home, home for us. And, and just the spot in the city we live in, our county and the county where our church is, uh, have probably the highest numbers in the state. And so it's been, it's been a season where trying to connect a community that is disconnected, at least physically, and keep everyone on mission and the Lord sustain us through all this, that's been the challenge that the Lord is giving us and giving us grace through. Man, you guys certainly are uh, right in the thick of it. And uh, Jay, I don't know if you're, just so you know, we're hearing you loud and clear. You're, the video is, is freezing a little bit, but don't worry about that. We're hearing you, which is the most important thing. Uh, real quick, uh, just how can I pray for you before we hear from you uh, from the Word of God? Yeah, I think one thing we're seeing is already an opportunity for us to continue to be on mission during this time. So rather than turning inward or for self-preservation, um, there's a number of churches that have already banded together in partnership with the city to feed families in need. And so now the wisdom that's that's needed as a church to continue to be outward facing. And even like you just said, there's red light, green light, yellow light people within our church. So the wisdom needed to lead through this next season in a way that's wise for all of us, but also missionally engaged. Yeah, that would be great. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we're, we're right there with you, brother, and, and seeking the Lord on that front and seeking to be a church that continues on, on mission right there with you guys. So let me pray in that direction. And then what will happen is when I finish praying, uh, we're going to see a sermon from Ajay uh, that he recorded earlier this week for us. Uh, that is absolutely outstanding. I can't wait for you to hear it. And so we'll receive that word together and then we'll join back with the Jay for a quick little time with him live again after the sermon. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this time together this morning. Thank you for Ajay. Thank you for his family. Thank you for his ministry, Lord. And thank you for the ways in which you are using Seven Mile Road Church, their people, uh, their leadership with Ajay and the other pastors to be a great blessing for you in that city, in, in Philadelphia. Lord, the, the significance of what they have already endured with so many, even relatives, close relatives, having, uh, having gotten the virus and, and many other church members who are dealing with the very same and even some that are dear to them who have died from it, Lord, uh, would you sustain and strengthen and encourage? And would you, oh Lord, cause them in the same way that we prayed for us just a moment ago, Father, would you do the same for them? Would you unite their church together? Would you encourage them, implore them, send them out as a church on mission uh, to bring your kingdom even in these days? So Father, would you do that and do it for your glory? Now, Lord, prepare our hearts to hear your word. Soften our hearts. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see the truth of your word and the beauty of Jesus. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Greetings again, Perimeter. Let me invite you to look with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, and listen to these words. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. 
And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. In this passage, Jesus performs a miracle, namely the healing of a leper. But here's the thing about the miracles in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Often they're written in a way in which the writer invites us to not just see the miracle, but essentially to look past the miracle and to see something deeper, beyond the surface of the miracle. It's sort of like if you're driving, you don't drive by staring at your windshield, but looking through your windshield to see that which is beyond. Well, in the same way, we're invited in these miracles to see past the miracle itself. For example, one time Jesus feeds 5,000 men with bread. But the way that the miracle is written, we're not to get stuck on the bread, but rather look past the bread and through the bread to hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life, the bread from heaven, come down. And even as your body needs bread for survival, so your soul needs me for life. Or another time, Jesus will heal and raise a man named Lazarus from the dead. But we're not supposed to get stuck at Lazarus, but see through that miracle to hear Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Well, if that pattern is true, what are we supposed to see here where Jesus heals a leper? Because I think this passage invites us to not get stuck at the leprosy, but to look past it and to learn something about who Jesus is and what that means for us. And in fact, I think if we do that, we'll see three things. We'll see through this miracle, first, our sickness, and then the cure, and lastly, what it cost. Our sickness, the cure, and the cost. First, the sickness. The sickness in this story, the problem, if you will, is pretty straightforward and obvious. It's leprosy. That's what the man in this story needs Jesus to do something about. Now, here's the thing. Often when we read stories in the Bible, it can feel like it's so ancient, so far removed from our own day and our culture and our context that the gap between us and the story is really big. But in this particular moment, because of where you and I are living in, in human history, I want to suggest that the hop into this story is a really short one. Let me tell you about leprosy and you tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Leprosy was a deadly disease believed to be highly contagious. In fact, I looked it up on the CDC website and leprosy, wouldn't you know, is spread as bacteria from an infected person by coughing or sneezing is breathed out and breathed in those water droplets and then a person is infected by it. And here's the thing, they'll often even be unsymptomatic. They, they won't show symptoms for a while. Does any of that sound familiar? And in fact, in Jesus' day, to be a leper was to be essentially a walking threat to everyone around you. And so the diseased person had to be cut off and quarantined, isolated from friends and family, couldn't gather in worship with others. You lived on your own. In fact, the only people you could be around 
were other lepers who had the disease. In Jesus' day, if you had this disease and you were going to walk into the market or into where people were, you literally had to shout at the top of your lungs, unclean, unclean, so as to warn everyone of your coming. In fact, the rule was you had to keep 50 paces distance. We're not talking six feet. 50 paces is well over 100 feet from the nearest person so that no one could contract your disease. You're talking about the original social distancing. So with all of that being the background of the story, living in the moment we live in, we know what the most obvious pressing need for this man was. It's for Jesus to cure this man of his leprosy. Like in our day, if you polled the people around you, polled our world, we would say the most obvious pressing need in the world, the problem we need to be saved from, the sickness we need to be healed from, is COVID, is coronavirus. But look again at the story, and you'll see that we're invited to see past the surface and look deeper and see that there's actually layers to this problem. There's actually layers to this sickness. And you can hear it in what the man asks in verse 40. Listen again to how the leper addresses Jesus in verse 40. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. Hear that again. If you will, you can make me clean. That's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting because he doesn't say, if you will, you can make me well. If you will, you can make me cured. You can heal me. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. So as to say that he's not just asking for healing, he's asking for cleansing. That's odd. Odd because that's not how we speak of physical illness. If you or someone you love has arthritis or migraines or cancer or coronavirus, you might hope for healing. You might desire to be cured. You'd never speak of it in terms of cleansing. You don't text someone and say, my dad has pneumonia, would you pray for his cleansing? It seems that this man knew that whatever his problem was, it was more than just physical. And that therefore what he needed from Jesus went deeper than just physical healing. He didn't ask to be cured. He asked to be cleansed. You see, when you read the miracle accounts of Jesus, what you begin to discover is often physical illness becomes a door through which Jesus can address an even deeper spiritual need. Hear that again. Often physical illness becomes a door through which Jesus can address an even deeper spiritual need. In fact, in the Bible, physical illness is sometimes an object lesson to understand a deeper spiritual problem, a spiritual sickness. Let me give you an example. If you keep reading in the book of Mark, you'd get to Mark chapter 8. And in it, you'd find one of the oddest miracles Jesus has ever performed. It's this blind man that's brought to Jesus, and Jesus spits in this man's eye. Why he does that, I have no idea. Well, after he does so, he says to the man, can you see? And the man responds by saying, I can sort of make people out, but they seem like trees that are walking. And then Jesus has to touch him again and then says, how about now? And now the man can see. So you go, okay, what's with that miracle? 
For one, it feels like Jesus sort of had a power shortage. Like he was going to perform it, but it didn't really work. And so he had to apply the touch a second time. Like he could make it out and he swung and missed the first time and he tried again. And so what's with this man seeing in stages? Sort of progressively seeing more clearly. Well, immediately after that miracle... The very next section in Mark 8 is Jesus turns to his disciples and has a conversation and says, what do you say about me? What do you see about who I am? And the disciples respond by saying, well, some say you're a prophet or some say you're Elijah. And then one moment, one even says, maybe you're the Christ. And then the next moment, but they say you can't ever die. And suddenly Jesus has to reprimand them and call one of them Satan. The whole thing is the disciples see Jesus, but sort of hazy. They make him out, but he's sort of fuzzy to them. They're starting to see, but not fully see. And progressively over time, they'll see him more clearly. Do you see it? The two stories are put right next to each other to say what's true for this blind man physically is what's going on in the hearts of these disciples spiritually. The physical illness is an object lesson for the spiritual sickness. Or perhaps even closer to our story here. We're at the end of Mark 1. Well, wouldn't you know, right after Mark 1, in Mark 2, there's another miracle story. It's the story of some friends who bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They're desperate for Jesus to do something to heal their friend. And so literally, there's a mob of people around Jesus, and they push through the mob. They can't get to Jesus, so they climb a roof, tear a hole in the roof, lower their friend to get their friend to see Jesus. They want their friend to walk. Well, having done all of that, worked their way through a crowd, lowered their friend through the roof of a house, Mark 2 verse 5 says this, When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but I would say if I was one of those friends, wouldn't one of us think to ourselves, we did not just bust our way through a mob and bust a hole in this man's roof and lower our friend to you to hear you say our sins are forgiven. His sins are forgiven. We did all that to hear you say walk. That's what we need. That's the most obvious pressing need in this man's life is for him to walk. It's sort of like if you went to a doctor with a broken leg and the doctor looked at you and said, all that you've ever done, you're pardoned. You'd say, gee, thanks, doc, but what about my leg? Can't you see that I've got a bigger problem? And Perimeter Church, here's what I'm asking you to consider. In these stories, Jesus is essentially saying, I am dealing with your bigger problem. See, the biggest problem in your life is not that your legs are lame, but that your soul is. It's not that your legs can't walk, but that you're not walking with me. The biggest problem in your life is not that your eyes don't work, but that you're blind to who I am. Not that your ears can't hear, but that you're deaf to my words. You see, in this leper's life, the biggest problem of his life wasn't a bacteria. And the biggest problem of our life isn't a virus. It's not skin that is sick and sore, but a soul that is. It's not that his skin was unclean, but he was unclean. 
You see, we're invited to go past the surface to see our true sickness. Leprosy, leprosy was a vivid illustration of what our soul is like. And listen, even if you're not a Christian, perhaps you might understand why the Bible would speak of our moral condition using the language of unclean. Why do we reference some magazines as dirty magazines or speak of someone having a filthy mouth? It's because even we know that there are things that we do or have done or even have been done to us that have left us feeling dirty, filthy, that have rendered us unclean. Leprosy was an object lesson that what you can see on the surface of this man's skin is the reality of the surface of my heart. What he was physically is what I am spiritually. And there are honest moments where we would say, if someone could see who I really was on the inside, if it was visible to everyone like a leper's skin, we'd be the ones who'd have to enter a place shouting, unclean, unclean. If people could see who we were on the inside, like a leper's skin, it would be from us that they'd recoil and gasp and hide their face and run away. And so if we have a Savior, we need a Savior who can not only heal our bodies, but cleanse our souls who can not only make the skin clean, but the soul clean. You see, we know that if we have a Savior, we need someone who can not only meet our physical need, but our deeper spiritual one as well. In all the miracles, Jesus meets the needs of the body. He cures the lame man and makes the blind man see and the deaf to hear, and he heals the leper, but Jesus while he loves your physical body, cares about more than just you physically. He knows there's more to you than can be fit under a microscope or studied in a lab. There's an immaterial part of you. And what if, what if in the midst of this global pandemic, you became open to the possibility that you have a need that's deeper than physical? And that Jesus can meet that need. You see, we need someone who can not only say, get up and walk, but say, son, your sins are forgiven. Who can not only make the leprosy leave, but can make the soul clean. See, this passage is showing us there is something invisible that has spread to every country in the world. And all who are infected by it will die. And it's not coronavirus. It's sin. You have a deeper problem than COVID. That's our sickness. But this passage also shows us the cure. Listen again to verse 40 and following. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately... The leprosy left him and he was made clean. Again, because of the day we live in, 
we can get into this story. The hop is not too great for us. And we can actually get a sense of just how shocking these sequence of events in this miracle were. We live in a moment where we get, it's, it's actually almost criminal to break distance and social barriers with one another. To walk up to someone is almost criminal in the day we live in. I mean, you think of being in a supermarket, at least where we are in Philly. If you're in a supermarket and someone were to come to you and, and break past six feet and break past three feet and come all the way to you, we would recoil. We would be aghast. Everyone in the supermarket would be horrified. You heard the rule. In that day, a leper kept not six feet, but 50 paces. But in this story, this leper is so desperate for Jesus that the text says he came up to him, imploring, kneeling in front of him. Can you picture him? He broke the hundred foot barrier and the six foot barrier and came all the way to Jesus, kneeling in front of him. Well, if that's shocking, then what happens next is even more so. Because the text says that Jesus moved with pity, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. Jesus doesn't jerk back. He doesn't recoil. He doesn't gasp. He doesn't hide his face. He doesn't reject him and he doesn't run. But instead moved with pity. The word there is a word for compassion from the pit of his stomach. Moved with pity, compassion from the depths of who he is. He touches this untouchable man and says, I am willing, be clean. He touches him. I'll tell you why that strikes me. It strikes me because if you know anything of the miracles of Jesus, you know that Jesus can perform miracles by just speaking a word. He can say to the winds and the waves, peace, be still, and they'll stop. In one story, he literally thinks for a man to be healed and a centurion's servant is healed. He can think a miracle. He can speak a miracle. But here, he touches this untouchable man. Because of the day we live in, we get this. I was thinking to myself, I can't now remember the last time I shook someone's hand. For many of us, we know living in isolation, the pain of what it's like to not be embraced. Can't remember the last time we've been touched. You wonder for this man, when was the last time anyone had ever touched him? And moved with pity, Jesus touches the untouchable man. See, and what the story is doing is it's inviting us to not get stuck at the miracle, but to see past the miracle and learn something about who Jesus is. Because what you're seeing is what the heart of God is like to those who would confess and admit that they're dirty and unfilthy and unclean. It means that as you're standing there, one second after your sin, in your vilest and worst moment, Jesus doesn't recoil. He doesn't reject. He doesn't run away. He isn't disgusted. But the emotion that floods his heart is a pity from the pit of who he is and a compassion that moves towards you. See, this miracle is telling us something of the heart of Christianity and what God is like. God moves towards the unclean. God touches those 
who are untouchable. What he does for this man physically is what Jesus can do for us spiritually. This is the cure that Jesus presents. But that cure comes at a cost. And so third and finally, having seen our sickness and seen the cure, we now consider finally the cost. Listen to what it says in verse 43. What did it cost Jesus to do this miracle? 43 says, And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So listen, Jesus tells this cleansed man, I don't want you to go anywhere. Just go straight to the priest. Show yourself so that you can be re-entered into society. Now, why does Jesus tell him not to tell anyone? He does it in part so that people don't come to him for the wrong reasons, right? If Jesus is a vending machine for miracles, then everyone will flock to him. If he'll give us bread when we're hungry and cure us when we're lame, he can make pandemics go away, well then we'll take Jesus, thank you very much. But then they won't see past the surface to the deeper need and to the deeper problem that Jesus had come to cure. Moreover, Jesus tells this man not to go and tell anyone because the religious leaders already aren't very fond of Jesus. And so if word begins to spread, they'll get even more jealous. More confusion will happen. Eventually, all the things that hasten his death will be sped up. And quite simply, it's not yet Jesus' time to die. So he tells this man, don't say this to anyone. But verse 45 says that this man, and you almost can't blame him, went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Perimeter Church, did you see what just happened? Jesus traded places with this man. For this man to be cured, Jesus had to trade places with him. See, at the beginning of the story, the leper was the exile. He was the one who was quarantined, living out in the isolate and desolated places. He was the one who couldn't open a town, open, enter a town openly. But now, by the end of the story, he can go anywhere he wants. And Jesus is pushed out to the desolate places. Do you see they've traded places by the end of the story? For the leper to be welcomed into society, it would mean by the end of the story, Jesus is pushed out to the desolate places. For the leper to live as a clean man, it would mean Jesus has to now live as if he were unclean. See, now we're not stopping at the miracle. We're going past the miracle and seeing through the miracle that this is what Jesus came to do, to trade places with us. 1 Corinthians 5 says it this way, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange. He came with righteousness. We came with sin. We left with his righteousness and he left with our sin. This is the exchange offered in Christianity. For us to be welcomed, he would have to be exiled and left alone and die. 
For us to be adopted, His Father would have to abandon Him. For us to be honored, He would have to bear our shame. For us to be blessed, He would take the curse. For us to live, He would die. For us to get heaven, He would take our hell. For us to be embraced, He would become God's untouchable. To cure us meant that it would cost Jesus everything. To say to us, Son, your sins are forgiven. Or to say to us, I am willing, be clean, meant that it meant for Jesus everything. This is what this miracle shows us, what Christ had come to do. The very heart of Christianity is right here. That Jesus saw us in our worst filth and saw our deepest need and in compassion he moved towards us, embraced us, and it cost him everything. Perimeter Church, in this season, hear this. You have a deeper problem than coronavirus. But the good news is that Jesus so loved you and moved with pity, moved towards you, traded places with you, and can meet your deepest need. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we pray that in this season, we might come to see a vivid illustration of the condition of our souls. And there we might see that Jesus can come where no one else can come. He can draw near where no one else can draw near. He can touch in a way that no one else can. And in his love for us, that you have traded places with us, Lord Jesus, so that we might be welcomed, adopted, embraced by God. Come help us believe this and experience this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to shout amen, Jay. That was so good. I, I, I just want to say this. We're a little short on time, uh, but thank you. Thank you for preaching the word to us so faithfully. Uh, there at the end, I, it was an aha moment for me in the many times that I've read this passage. Um, I think probably for most of us, we've, we've read verse 45 and probably not thought much more than just um, you know, this guy didn't do what Jesus said. And to look past that, to see the gospel in this story, to look past that, to see uh, what Jesus was actually uh, even foreshadowing of the trading places. Um, man, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your heart. Um, and thank you for your word to us this morning. Um, you certainly, through you, the Lord has touched my soul uh, and certainly many others out here. So, um, any final thanks, thoughts for brother. us? No, just thanks to you. Uh, thanks for Perimeter Church. Every encounter with you is a blessing. So I'm, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Well, brother, we are blessed. And praying the Perimeter. Well, you, you are a blessing to us. And we love the partnership that we have with you. We're thankful for your, you using your gifts of teaching and expositing God's word to, to bless the church further than uh, your church there in Philadelphia to here in Atlanta. So uh, we give you thanks, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Thank we'll you. see you soon. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.